Yeah, so in a lot of ways, a pig has changed a lot. Um, genetic improvement, he's, he weighs more, he grows faster, he does a lot of things. But in other ways, a pig is still just a pig. And so some of those traits 20 and 30 years ago that we were interested in, tenderness, color, juiciness, water holding capacity, they haven't really changed. Welcome to Meats Pad, a platform to share breakthrough knowledge that is accessible to the entire meat industry. Be ready to hear from meat specialists who will talk about numerous topics in meat science, including animal welfare, meat production, meat quality, and so much more. This podcast is brought to you by the Niche Meat Processor Assistance Network, the National Provisioner, and Ultrasource, the new standard for innovation. Since 1883, Ultrasource has been a trusted supplier to the food industry. Ultrasource provides superior kill floor processing, packaging, and labeling equipment and operational supplies. Hello, meat folks. Welcome to the Meat Spot Podcast. My name is Francisco Nohara. I'm your host today. We have a very special episode today we're uh, going on to episode number 12 uh, we have a very special guest more recently he was a faculty at the university of illinois uh, now he's taking on a new position as a meat scientist in uh, topics northvin a swine genetics company and he'll show us more about this and show more about what some of his roles at this company it's my pleasure to introduce dr dustin bowler how are you today I'm great. Thank you for, for having me today. I appreciate the invitation. Of course. Thank you. Thank you for accepting the invitation, Dr. Bowler. So today we have a very interesting episode. We will be talking about some of the current practices that are done by the pork industry nowadays. Talk about uh, animal welfare. We'll talk about quality. Because we know ultimately that, that has an impact on the eating experience of pork products. Before we go, before we go more into detail, please tell us a little bit more about yourself, about your career, so our audience can get to know you um, a little bit better. Sure. So um, I'm a meat scientist with Topics Norsvin USA, which is the the second largest genetics swine genetics company in the world. Um, and I came about this position. Um, I was fortunate enough, I got my graduate degrees at the University of Illinois, um, and really the research forte of the group at U of I is, is pork quality um, and, and understanding how things that, that occur on the farm from a live phase production standpoint impact product quality, eating experience, consumer perception, those types of things. And so I was really trained for a position that fits what I do really well. Um, upon graduation I had an opportunity to spend some time on faculty at Ohio State University and then the University of Illinois um, and there again an opportunity to work with some fantastic colleagues on understanding pork quality um, from a standpoint of, of how production practices handling welfare uh, genetics all those types of things impact meat quality um, and then sometimes as life happens, my wife has presented an opportunity that required relocation, and I was fortunate enough to get an opportunity uh, with Topics Norsvin as their meat scientist. And so now my primary role is uh, understanding their products and genetic improvement um, in terms of meat quality and, and eating experience of the, the sire lines and, and female lines of, uh, that Topics Norsvin provides. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for uh, for giving us some information about about your degree and i'm assuming it was 
because you being a, a, a in a faculty position and transition into the industry that I mean we can talk a little bit about that and some of the just I guess it's the first question that um, that we have for you today what are some of the current challenges that you see that the pork industry is facing and you mentioned you mentioned a, of quality quality factors that really play an important role when it comes to all those consumer experience quality and so forth but where are we in the, in the pork industry today yeah so that, that's a, a great question you know and it's no secret we're living in a time of covid um, and where covid demands everybody's attention and the pork industry the meat industry is not exempt to that um, and it certainly created some challenges uh, in some ways, in a lot of ways, but it's also provided some some really unique opportunities in that it's brought consumers back to pork. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, during some of the challenges with distribution and, and uh, slaughter capacity and some of those, um, it has shifted uh, consumers, um, the way that they're able to purchase pork away from food service and towards retail. And as consumers went back to retail as their, their meat supply, they went back to pork. Um, and so they provided us an opportunity that as an industry to, to reintroduce ourselves to consumers again. Um, and then the challenge was simply just distribution and making sure that we were providing those consumers um, products and quantities that met their demand. As you mentioned COVID, and I think, I guess we're getting tired of um everyone talking about COVID, COVID, but I'm curious and, and I want to know your opinion, just an overview about how the meat industry, more specifically the pork industry, how that was handled and how is currently handling all those situations within the plan. I'm not sure if you know uh, too much about that, but you can probably talk us briefly about that, if you will. Well, I'm not sure that I have any information that's that's terribly revealing or that we don't already know. I think that people get all concerned, uh, rightfully so, about you know food supply and food availability, which is um, certainly um, a, a worthy concern. But I think the important thing to remember is that throughout COVID and throughout all of the challenges that the industry was facing, that uh, food inspection, food safety, never never wavered and so all throughout the the challenges and today and moving forward and and previously and um, one of the real luxuries that we have as as u.s consumers is that we have a uh, very safe food supply and inspection never stopped um, and so all the products that we were provided throughout covid was just as safe as they've ever been and just as safe as they will always be um, and so from that standpoint i think the meat industry is really to be congratulated that they were able to maintain that high level of standards that we come to expect. Yeah, that's, that's, that's very correct. And, and uh, earlier, and we were mentioning some of the factors that affect quality in terms yeah. of uh, pork carcasses and, and consumer experience. So from your experience, what are some of the major factors that affect quality? Well, so to me, quality comes down to, to, Two big things. I think regardless of the parameters that we talk about as scientists, they boil down into one of two categories, and that's either purchase intent or eating experience. Um, and as meat scientists, we have to first deliver a product that is appealing to the eyes that consumers want to buy because uh, we make a lot of purchasing decisions based on visual appraisal of those products. 
And so when we're looking at neat products, the, the traits that consumers tell us are of interest to them are color. And so we have to provide a, a meat product that has a color that's desirable to consumers and what they expect meat to look like. Uh, the other is certainly marbling. Um, there's preferences around marbling and the perceptions that consumers have with how marbling may or may not influence eating quality. And so I think purchase intent is, is the first parameter that we have to uh, deliver in terms of a, a product that consumers want to buy. And then once we have con convinced them to do that, we have to deliver a product that's going to meet their expectations and eating experience. They have to enjoy it, right? Because as a meat industry, um, in the pork industry specifically, we know that consumers have choices. That, that may be beef, that may be poultry, it may be some uh, alternative plant-based protein, hopefully it's pork. Um, but if we're not delivering a product that meets their expectations and eating experience, we're in a lot of trouble as an industry. And so when we talk about traits that, that influence eating experience, that is almost always tenderness is first and foremost. We need to deliver a product that meets tenderness expectations. And then that product needs to be flavorful and juicy. And so if we're delivering visual appearance um, and, and eating experience, I think we're in pretty good shape with consumers. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And going back to, to what you said, that some of your roles and, and your company, talking about handling uh, some of the, the procedures when it comes to processing that really affect the overall quality of fresh pork. Uh, will you tell us a little bit about that in, in terms of some of your, your current work to, to enhance the quality in, from, from that perspective? Yeah, so when we talk about meat quality um, and, and how that relates to, to animal welfare and animal handling, I think there's, there's really three reasons uh, to support welfare and, and humane handling practices and all those kind of things. Of course, it's the law. And so we're required to handle animals humanely and, and move them quietly and, and provide them uh, a humane slaughter experience. Um, and so that's first and foremost. Um, it is the law and we owe it to the animals, but doing so, um, sound animal welfare and animal husbandry practices provides poor quality uh, to reach its genetic um, potential. And so if we do handle those animals quietly and humanely, we slaughter them appropriately and we chill those carcasses um, appropriately, deliver all the food safety practices, that allows those carcasses to reach their genetic potential for quality um, very well. And so animal handling, animal welfare, all those things certainly has an aspect to, uh, to the pig itself um, and to meeting regulatory compliances, but it also has a tremendous amount to do with, with meat quality in itself. And so doing so has a benefit for us as consumers as well. Great. And sometimes the consumer don't get to see those uh, practices that are in place at the, at the processing level, but certainly uh, when they're eating their product and when they have a good eating experience, that's that's where as long as they're happy, I think we we down down the processing line and the, the farm, we we're pretty sure that we're doing a, a good job. What are some of the personal experience or maybe work work related experiences that really made you grow as a professional, as a person? So it could be it could be really anything, but I guess with that, the, the people our audience can get to know you a little bit better and, and relate to, to that experience. Yeah, so one of the things that was, that was really influential to, to my career growth, when I, um, I went to undergrad at Purdue University, 
Um, and I had some exposure to the meat industry in high school and was on the meat judging team and certainly in FFA and 4-H and all those type of things. But I had never really envisioned the meat industry providing my career, uh, certainly not in the capacity that it has. Um, but whenever I graduated from undergrad at Purdue University, Tyson uh, offered me a position um, in their, their prepared foods group in Fort Worth, Texas, and I had an opportunity to really get exposed to the meat industry from a different, uh, all aspects, from quality assurance, from um, statistical process control, from food safety, uh, from distribution, from uh, cold storage, all those kind of things, and, and really learned um, kind of the complexity, but it, exactly how the meat industry was put together and just how, um, how interesting and rewarding it could be as a career. Uh, and so <laughs> I've already mentioned that, that my wife provided the opportunity, uh, or her, she was provided an opportunity that required a relocation. Um, it was actually her again that when I was with Tyson, uh, I was living in Texas and she had already started grad school. And, um, and so there, you know, my time at Tyson, I realized I wanted to make a career in the meat industry, but I needed to, uh, um, I needed some more training. I needed some additional education. I wanted to, to, to be able to experience the meat industry in a different capacity. And so I chose to, to leave that position at Tyson to start grad school. Um, but it was really that first position and Tyson Foods uh, deserves a lot of the credit for where I'm at in terms of, of my interest and involvement in the meat industry today. Great. That is, that is very, very profound. I guess we never expect that um, some, some of those people that are married too and help us go through, through grad school, through work experiences and all that. And I, I'm certain that that's, that's what it is for a lot of people. And I, this is the last, uh, last question in terms of along those lines. Was it difficult for you to, I mean, go from academia to the industry? Yeah, so, you know, I, I, was, um, I was quite happy in my position at Illinois. I had fantastic colleagues. I really enjoyed the people I was working with. I really enjoyed uh, grad students and all those uh, benefits of being in academics, and, and I miss it. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, part of a good graduate program is training somebody to be flexible and nimble. Uh, and Topics Norseman provides a lot of the same stimulation. I still get the opportunity to conduct research. I'm still uh, be able to follow the scientific process and developing a hypothesis and track down a problem. And so science is science, regardless of whether you're doing it for an academic institution or whether you're doing it for a, for a, uh, a private industry. And so from that standpoint, my career is just as rewarding as it's always been. I've been very fortunate because I had the relationship um, with, with some faculty members at Illinois and other institutions that I still get to interact and, and provide some guest lectures on occasion and interact with grad students and uh, just got to participate in ICOMPS last week. And so I still get all those experiences. It's just a, a little different capacity now, but science is science. Absolutely. I think I'm sharing that. And then going back to some of the, going back to the core of this episode, talking a little bit about quality, um, in terms of uh, port, more specifically, uh, you mentioned a couple of uh, things that we look at: handling, processing procedures at the processing level when we slaughter um, hogs. What are some of the methodology that we were following today? I mean, compared to 20 years ago, that we didn't have that information. H how are we solving those those things that we know that affect quality? Yeah. So, in a lot of ways. 
a pig has changed a lot. Um, genetic improvement, he's, he weighs more, he grows faster, he does a lot of things. But in other ways, a pig is still just a pig. And so some of those traits 20 and 30 years ago that we were interested in, tenderness, color, juiciness, water holding capacity, they haven't really changed. And so the objectives are still the same, produce a product that is uh, tender, that is flavorful, that is juicy. But some of the technologies that we're using now, online technologies, non-invasive technologies, CT scanners, NIR machines, uh, things like that, gas chromatographs, all of these types of technologies have improved that allowed us to more precisely identify products that are more superior or less superior um, in terms of their eating experience and, and tenderness and all those traits that we've talked about. And so I think the objectives have stayed largely the same, but the methodologies that you described are becoming more advanced, just like technology has, has impacted our, our lives in so many other capacities. Great. Um, do you see the pork industry changing? Or do you, do you envision like maybe 10, 15 years, we'll keep doing the same, we'll keep doing the same things that we've been, well, what are some of your speculations? Sorry. Yeah, so it's, it is speculation, and that's one of the fun things. I think um, just as we, I just provided the answer previously, you know, that the objectives 10 or 15 years ago are the same that they are today. I think the objectives will be the same again moving forward, that we, we want to produce a product that's nutritious um, and that tastes good and is tender and provides eating experience and provides us an opportunity for social interaction, hopefully, uh, one of these days. All those things are still the same. Uh, but of course, I think the technology is going to continue to advance. I think automation is going to continue to advance such that we can produce those products more efficiently because populations growing, um, people, the demand for pork is, is increasing. And so I think we're going to have the opportunity as an industry uh, to feed more people, which is, which is fantastic. And so we just uh, need to embrace technology and ways to, to provide that to them. Great. Awesome. Well, thank you for, for uh, being here today. Thank you for accepting the invitation to be on this podcast, Dr. Bowler, and, and we hope to, to see you soon. Thank you so much for the invitation. I enjoyed the conversation. All right. With that, we end this episode. Thank you a lot for listening, and be ready to hear from more men specialists in the following episodes. We will have more discussions about hot topics in the mid industry. Please subscribe to our website at www meatspot.com and you will receive a welcome email and you will also be receiving notifications on the new episodes that we're releasing. Thank you again. Stay tuned and see you the next time.